Hey guys, this is Anand Shippy from Anantech.com. This is the official Anantech podcast, um, episode 14. It's a special episode. We are live here from Las Vegas, Nevada with the Consumer Electronics Show, CES 2013. Um, we're sitting here in our hotel suite, and with me I have Brian Kluke, our senior smartphone editor. Hey, hey guys. And uh, for the first time, I think, um, Jared Walton, our, uh, our senior mobile editor. And the old man of Anantech. You're not. Well, how old are you, Jared? 39. 39. Are you the oldest uh, that we have? I believe so. Who? We don't have anyone older, right? <laughs> I don't know. So how old I are you, I don't think Brian? so. Uh, 24. Okay. Our youngest is either Christian or Vivek, right? Christian's younger than Vivek. Really? Christian's still in his teens. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's a good... Wow. He's, he's little Anand. <laughs> that's, that's a good span. That's a good gamut. Um, anyways, we've been at CES. Um, I got here Saturday... Brian, you got here Sunday. That's right. And Jared, Monday. Yep. Um, and tonight, it is it is Friday night. We all leave tomorrow. Um, no, it's Thursday night. Oh, crap. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It's, it's going to be Thursday, Friday morning. By the time we finish yeah. recording this. Wow. Um, so we saw a bunch of cool stuff at the show, and uh, so this is going to be like a normal podcast format, but uh, all the content we're talking about is stuff that pretty much we've seen at the show. Um, so this year, for the first time in quite a while, didn't Qualcomm do a keynote in a previous CES? No, I thought it was always the Microsoft keynote. Yeah, 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 that's true, I guess. Um, so, so Qualcomm, uh, Dr. Paul Jacobs, who's the, the CEO of Qualcomm, he did a keynote, and, and Steve Ballmer came by and, and showed his face and stuff. But at the keynote, Qualcomm announced, um, and Brian loves the names of these new parts, the Snapdragon, <laughs> Snapdragon 800 and 600. So, um, so Qualcomm gets a new chief marketing officer from Intel, um, Anand Chandrasekhar, who... Um, he was responsible. He, he headed up Centrino for a while, and, and his job was uh, bringing Atom to market back um, in, in, into mobile internet devices and eventually into phones uh, back when he was at Intel. But now he's uh, CMO over at Qualcomm. Uh, so new guy comes up, and, and um, new branding follows. So what used to be Snapdragon yep. <clears throat> S1, S2, S3, S4 is now what? Two, four, six, eight, hundred. <laughs> 200, 400, 600, 800. And that's the series. Is that is that the overall platform? Like, what what it, what does that number refer? Like Snapdragon eight hundred. What is that? Is that the SOC? I I think that's a series now, isn't it? Okay. And I think there's a specific number inside. Okay, right? so there'll but be... even though the first ones are eight hundred and six hundred. Okay, but there will be future ones. There'll be like yeah. an eight whatever. I, I think so. I would assume that's what they're going for. Yeah, that makes sense. So what is a Snapdragon eight hundred? So Snapdragon 800 is the part previously known as 8974, which is which what? Would, which we'll continue to call 8974, <laughs> uh, which is the quad core Crate 400, Adreno 330, um, MDM 9x25 baseband part. That's um, HPM, right? Yeah, 20 nanometer HPM. So so let's let's dice. actually we started the wrong way. Let's let's start with Snapdragon 600, right? right. Okay. So what's Snapdragon 600? So Snapdragon 600 is like uh, an APQ 8064T, where T is turbo, the same way that there's um, an 8960T coming, which is Crate 300, Adreno 320, and uh, 20% higher clocks. Okay. So higher performance, but still f very similar to the previous gen. So this is still 28 nanometer LP process over at TSMC. Right. Um, crate 300 is it's kind of like a I don't want to call it a talk 
right? Because it's mm-hmm. not like a completely new architecture, but it's it's not a tick either because it's the same process node, mm-hmm. right? It's a, and, and obviously TikTok isn't Qualcomm's thing, but just trying to relate it to it. Yeah. Um, it it's, it's an architectural evolution, right? So they added um, like an L2 cache prefetcher, right? So um, Crate 300 takes the original Crate core, and now there's a prefetcher that'll go out and uh, speculatively pull in data that it thinks you will be requesting soon from DRAM and throws in an L2. Um, Qualcomm implied that there are improvements to both floating point and JavaScript performance, which I mm-hmm. took to mean that they beefed up the FPUs or, or made them somehow faster. Yeah. And same thing on the integer side. They were saying that there's sub-1000 now on 8960T. Interesting. For Create 300. For um, SunSpider, you mean? Yeah, like sub, yeah, JavaScript performance, specifically SunSpider. But Even think... sometimes south of like 950, they said... Interesting. Because um, <clears throat> they are at that right now. They're at like around 950 on, well, at least for IE10. Yeah, not, they're talking like Chrome. Okay. I mean, not Chrome, stock Android browser Okay. with their optimizations. Um, so, yeah, there, there's that. Um, they added a bunch of other little tweaks. Um, without moving to a new process, they also increased max clocks to 1.9 gigahertz. Really? Oh, okay. Really? I thought it was 1.7. Is it one point seven? Yeah, I'm not sure. It was it was pretty modest. Okay. Um, well, hopefully I didn't write that incorrectly in the article. Um, and then what? what oh, you... no, you're right. It's one point nine. Yeah. Okay. One point nine from one point five. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, and we don't yet know if that's through um, just improvements in critical paths or so. Generally speaking, like the um, if you look at the path that data flows in a microprocessor mm-hmm. um every like ultimately there's one path that's the slowest right like the that each stage takes the absolute longest and, and that's what determines um the overall clock speed of the processor so you can go in usually you know the the more familiar you are with the design um and and kind of tune those uh kind of most complex stages and and you know tune that critical path to to give you kind of higher clock speeds Right. Um, and and my guess is that's that's what happened here. So it's it's not a full you know rearchitecting of the design, but you know just minor tweaks here and there. Um, and I think I think APQ eighty sixty four T or Snapdragon six hundred might be one point nine. Yeah. But I think eighty nine seventy T is I mean eighty nine sixty T is still one point seven. Okay, interesting. So not nearly as high. So this would likely go into a tablet, whereas eighty nine sixty T would go into a phone. Yeah. Okay. Well, eighty nine sixty T we will see in phones. Yeah. Um, very shortly I well think. whereas i guess snapdragon 600 or whatever this thing will could go into like a big phone right um, sure yeah mm-hmm. same way the other the current one does okay um what gpu is on 600 again and, and this oh, sorry how many it's cores? still adreno 322 okay. and four cores four cpu Both cores. The, yeah and 8974 is four cores as well okay um and then this is since it's an apq part no no lt yeah no okay. modem um, 8974 is the real successor to 8960 8974 yeah so snapdragon 800 okay why do you say that because it's it's just the obvious successor like it's the one that includes the modem you know okay. big jump in the cpu i guess because that's clocked way higher yeah so different different gpu it's it's sort of like that that part where they you know bring everything back in but but wouldn't you expect the real successor to 8960 um, which is dual core 28 nanometer crate the first crate um wouldn't you expect that to be dual core as well? Um, not necessarily. Hmm. No, on their roadmap, this is the successor. Interesting. Yeah. 
Huh. Okay. Um, so Snapdragon 800 includes four Crate 400s. Right. Um, and up to 2.3 gigahertz. So this is 28 nanometer HPM, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a um, high-K metal gate, 28 nanometer node at TSMC, um, optimized for low leakage at high clocks. Right. Right. And that's where they get they can they can hit 2.3 gigahertz yeah. on these lower cores. active power. Yes. Um, then there's some other tweaks, um, mainly faster L2 cache and faster memory accesses for Crate 400 versus Crate 300, but all the other advantages of Crate 300 are inherited. Um, Adreno 330 on the graphics I think side. they said, well, didn't they say like 50% better graphics? Yeah, compared which to... Which I'm not sure what, what that means. <laughs> I think it's over, over 320. Okay. But <clears throat> not sure. Yeah. And then compute is faster, like OpenCL. Yeah, 2x speed. Now... I think I wrote that it was faster, fifty percent faster than two twenty, but that doesn't make any sense, right? Huh. I no, don't know. I think you said three twenty. I think it, and I think they said three twenty two. Okay. When when I was on that call. Okay. Um, and then this integrates their new LTE baseband. Right. Like I said, it's nine. The nine x twenty five IP block is in there now. Okay. And what does that so, give you? So, release four, release ten, category four. Um, so 150 megabits, and it can do aggregation. So all the features of 9x25 are in there. Okay. Um, and, and and we did see Snapdragon 800 running. We saw it playing uh, the Batman Arkham game. Uh, actually, oh, I don't know the full title. Of the I game. don't know. I don't know either. <clears throat> oh no, it's Batman Dark Knight Rises, or I don't know. It's the new Batman game. It looked cool. Um, it's not. They they had a version that was optimized for Adreno. It's not the version you can buy uh-huh. today. Um, and I think it was rendering at 1080p, which was kind of a big deal. They had a bunch of 1080p game demos on their um, their Snapdragon 800 reference tablet, which has a 1080p display. Um, the Snapdragon 800 can also do 4K video encode and decode at 30 frames a second. So we saw a 4K decode demo. Um, right. Was there anything you saw? I saw eighty nine seventy four doing one hundred fifty megabit LTE. Oh, nice. On category four on a um, band four LTE test network that they had set up. Okay. Just for the demo. <laughs> so did they cable that up or was that? No, that was live. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so that takes care of Qualcomm. Now you you did see a bunch of other interesting SOCs um, when you went to go visit All Winner. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so I saw the All Winner A31, which yeah. is uh, four A7s, and then um, SGX five forty four MP two, and that's I mean All Winner we we don't really hear much about in the states. Yeah, what are where what are they? Where, Chinese com- Chinese SOC company. Okay. Uh, they fab at TSMC. <clears throat> like this one is forty G. Um, oh wow! So it's an old process. Right, and that's why it's so cheap. Yeah, well, like they traditionally have a huge presence in like the no brand, very low cost, you know, brands you've never heard of. Yeah. Sort by price on Amazon, online, eBay, all that stuff. So this they're they're big there. So this A thirty one forty nanometer G, um, four A sevens, one point two gigahertz. Okay. Um, and they had a pretty cool device using this, right? Yeah, I didn't know they were already sampling. I saw the initial announcement about a month ago. Yeah. Um, not, not just sampling, they're actually shipping in devices already. Awesome. And so what What device... Now, you saw like a really cool device with this in it. Yeah, right? so I saw two Onda tablets. Uh, one of them is running the 9.7-inch iPad display, like literally the Retina display. Yeah. The exact same panel. Basically, all their 
rejects. Yeah. Um, no, but is it which is are it fine? Is it so the rejects would normally be like a defective pixel or something? You know, the ones that I that I saw, that I didn't see any issues. Like I'm, they just didn't meet spec somehow. Interesting. So any ideas what they like was it a power consumption thing or maybe a latency thing? I have no idea. Probably they didn't meet some sort of color accuracy, maybe a hot pixel. Interesting. Now, are are these displays in this tablet also color calibrated, or is it water? probably not? Okay. Um, well, and yeah, I just guarantee you they're not. And it, <laughs> but I mean, for two thirty nine. Yeah. So this is a two hundred thirty nine dollar tablet. Yeah. Oh, and they also have the iPhone four rear facing camera module somehow. Okay, so <laughs> I don't even know how that's totally legal, but that's what they advertise. <laughs> so it's a nine point seven inch Android tablet running, and it's aluminum. It's like nice. It's, really, it's built. It's pretty rugged. Yeah, it was surprisingly decent. How does it compare to the Nexus 10? You've used the Nexus 10 quite a bit. Um, Nexus 10 is faster. Yeah. Obviously. Similar, you know, dot pitch. Yeah. Um, Nexus 10 honestly feels really Samsung-y. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of plastic-y. Yeah, yeah. This is aluminum. So, I would say the 239 Android tablet from Onda, like, Chinese vendor you've never heard of. Yeah. Unless you know, unless you know this market probably feels better in the hand now how do you spell the vendor like with onda onda and onda. this is shipping now yeah you can go buy it online right now i put a link to their website in the in the article that's awesome and it's 239 dollars 9.7 inch what version of android does it run uh 4.1 okay i'm um, pretty sure now how do four a7s feel on the tablet like the, put it in perspective what 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 generation of android device does that feel like you know, I don't know. It's not as smooth as others that I've used. It, it kind of chunked along a little bit yeah. at some points. Uh, I think the Sunspire score that I saw was like 2,200, and another time it was like 2,100. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you think that's an optimization That's kind of single-threaded. Yeah, and the, plus they're low clocks. So anyways, the the one to get is the smaller of the two tablets. So what's the, what's the smaller one? They had a $180 V812 Onda tablet. And that one is much more performant. It's eight inch. It's an eight inch tablet. What what SOC is in it? Same A thirty one. Interesting. Yeah, they're in two tablets. Oh, so what's the memory interface? Do you know on the A thirty one? Uh, yeah, it's it's in that. I put a picture. I believe it's um, I believe it's two by thirty two. Oh, interesting. I wonder if that's what it is then. Well, do you know what memory frequency it's running at? No, I have no clue. Because that's obviously like the the only reason the iPad even worked, right? Is they had that four by thirty two bit memory interface. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the iPad, the Retina Display Resolution one, kind of chunked along. Yeah. Um. So they're they're two by thirty two, but they say they can do. Uh, it's dual channel LPDDR LPDDR two three and DDR three L. Interesting. So and they they gave me their whole, like catalog. That's... They just plopped it down on the table and were like, take this. Are they going to send you these things? Uh, the tablets? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. No, they didn't really seem... But, I mean, we could just buy them. Yeah. Um, so so you like the 8-inch tablet? Yeah. What... I don't know if I'd necessarily buy it, just because yeah. I have enough tablets. <laughs> but it's there. It's out there. What, what is the 8-inch tablet also a like a, an aluminum Also chassis? aluminum, yeah. Really? How mm-hmm. is it, like, thin? What What's... Yeah, they're both pretty thin. Nice. Um... They're They're decent. I mean, but it's, you know, you get what you get. It's kind of, <laughs> they're not the world's best things, but it's impressive. And that, that I don't know, all winner is a player to keep an eye out for. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, that's the big thing, right? Like, if people can start, if they can achieve hardware parity with Apple, right, and, and you know, with, like, a decent chassis, like, that's a... Yeah, a, I, I said this would be very disruptive, yeah. I think. And, you know, already you can just buy them. So it's just a question of, I think a lot of people don't really know about their presence. Yeah, and but they're already available on Amazon. Yeah, no, not on Amazon, on these other websites. I think... Oh, okay. Some other random things are on Amazon as well. Okay. You know? Um, also, talking silicon, you saw a new LTE baseband solution. Yeah, Broadcom has been teasing their LTE baseband for some time now. Okay. And Broadcom doesn't really show things until they're ready. Yeah. So I'm kind of surprised that they did this, but they had uh, they had their demo set up showing Volte working. Oh, nice. So voice over LTE. Yeah. Um, so I saw that and they showed, they showed the actual part, like they had a reference phone with the back cover off and they said they passed, uh, they've been testing at Verizon and okay. AT&T. What, um, what UE category is the... They won't tell any details about that. Interesting. They'll, they'll be ready basically, probably at MWC. Now, why would someone choose this over Qualcomm? Um, lower cost probably. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see what their value add play is. Gotcha. And do you they have any... said they said that it's smaller. They had a slide up that was kind of interesting, and they said that it's like smaller to implement. I don't know what that means. Yeah. It, they didn't really go into specifics. Right now, they're just showing, hey, we have one. Okay. There are no. I asked all the other questions, and the answers were no. We're not telling you any more details <laughs> until we have a name. Like, there's no name. Yeah. It's just it exists, which everybody's kind of already known about. But there it is. And if they're saying it's Volte, they already told you it's at least release 9. Okay. So, which um, is interesting. Switching gears a bit, uh, there's one thing we've been talking about for like the past three episodes um, that you want to talk about here as well, uh, mm -hmm. which is Samsung's Galaxy Camera, which you've been carrying around with you yeah. at the show. I think Galaxy Camera is the winner of CES. <laughs> you think so? Why, why yeah, is the winner of CES? Even though it didn't come out at CES, even though it has nothing to do with CES. Yeah. Uh, I've seen like 8 million people with Galaxy cameras, <laughs> you know, and not just people who were like journalists that were sampled them, Yeah, but people like with them that bought them. Yeah. And every time that I pull it out to use it, everyone wants to know everything about it. Like I've never ever used a device and been asked so many questions. Really? Now, I mean, admittedly, like if they had a if they had an AT and T LTE version, I I'd be all over right, that. Yeah. Right. Like that's and if it were a little smaller, like it, I just it I agree it does uh -huh. feel a little big. But, it is uh, kind of big. Yeah, and the battery life could be a little bit better too. I mean, but I've been hammering it really hard. Do you know like what's the what kind of battery life do you get on it? Um, you know, I did all the tests, but using it as a camera is a little bit different. Yeah. And. If you had to the guess other problem right. is that Wi-Fi's on, and mm. it's kind of like trying to upload to Dropbox yeah. all the time. I mean, I made it through today, but just barely, and then it died. Yeah. But I was shooting lots of videos and taking lots of pictures. Interesting. But you can get through one day. It's just you need to plug it in, you know, and it'll do its little standby thing where it turns itself off. Yeah. And that's how they try to, you know, get it into the place where it's almost like a normal point and shoot yeah with like infinite standby time but you know it's great i think it's awesome i like galaxy camera quite a lot 
Nice. No, and again, I, I've never, like all the other Android phones that I've seen are nowhere near as good. Like the Android Polaroid. cameras. Yeah, cameras yeah. that run Android. Uh, they're just nowhere near as good. Like, you know, the S eight hundred C has some issues. It's not very good as an Android device. Yeah. Um, the Polaroid camera thing is just kind of weird. It's almost the same platform as the S eight hundred C. Yeah. And it has the really strange, like, CMOS inside the lens system thing. Yeah. And the ones that I saw didn't even have the ability to actually take pictures. <laughs> like, the ones that I saw that did work that turned on. Yeah. Because they were all, like, hand-built units. Yeah. If you launched the camera app, you didn't see anything other than, like, a Polaroid logo. And yeah. it's because the imaging part isn't finished. <laughs> Right, that seems kind of funny when you think about like, hey, we're showing off a camera, but it's not the camera part isn't finished. <laughs> so, so let me say this: if you had to buy a point and shoot today, is this I would buy one? the Galaxy camera. Yeah, okay, for sure. Even though, even though there are cameras out there that take better images yeah. than point and shoots, yeah. What's the cost on that? Uh, I don't. I you know I need to look. I think it's like five or six hundred. Ouch. Yeah. So it's like genuinely pricey. It's not cheap. Yeah. Yeah, and you have you know you have to. The idea is that you'll attach it, you know, to your mobile share plan. Yeah, and then it's only like what ten bucks a month. I believe so. Yeah, that's what I would do. And I'm on a mobile share plan. Oh, it's actually four ninety nine on uh, on AT and T. So five hundred bucks. Okay, but it doesn't. It's it's only LTE on Verizon. Yeah, Verizon spec'd out their own version that's LTE, and it's only LTE. Yeah, but the so the AT and T version is just WCDMA. Yeah, it's it's twenty one point one. It's literally just exactly like, inter international Galaxy S three with a huge camera on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm I'm. It's it's one thing that whenever I see it, like I really want to buy it, but it's not. It's not mm -hmm. quite perfect, but yeah. I, it's no, it isn't perfect. But it's, on the other hand, it's so much better than the other the other ones out there. Yeah. So this is if you want to buy an Android camera, this is the one to buy. If you want to buy point and shoot, this there is still are others the one to out buy. there. Or. Uh, but it, mm, I don't know. For me, if I want to buy a point and shoot, like I'm gonna buy this. Okay, but if you're shopping in a different price band, then it depends you... on what you want. Yeah, connected camera is definitely the future, though. Yes, I agree. I agree with that. Do you? How long until you think um, SLRs get there? DSLRs. I mean, who knows? Nikon you think drags it's... their feet. Really? The other players drag their feet too. Like Any Canon. chance of Samsung? Who's gonna? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's anybody's guess. I, I'm not holding my breath. I don't think that's going to go this way. Yeah. Um, okay, so next on the list of Brian, things Brian found cool was something called EMBMS. Right, so I found I, EMBMS is kind of cool. The LTE broadcast specification. Yeah. Um, but what was more interesting is that Verizon had their Band 4 assets lit up here. Okay. So AWS LTE was live. Are there um, What devices can you use that? Um, just like the tab tent. None of those devices could attach, though. Oh, really? To this. Yeah, this was only for testing. Interesting. And it was only for this demo. Okay. And, um... What, and, and is it, like, are, are they limited by firmware? Like, what, how would they eventually attach to it? They'll, they have to spec out new devices. And oh, then, really? And enable it. Yeah. Okay. That there's only one, there's only, like, one or two, and they're not really very public either. Okay. It's the... Um, there's like it's their new the Samsung tablet I forgot the name of it what is it um, the Galaxy Note 10.1 uh, or the Galaxy Tab 2 10.1 <laughs> I've, I've lost track of Samsung's tablet names yeah. like it's just totally beyond me <laughs> but 
It's whatever the newest tablet. Something's yeah, it's Brian. like I know it's like the ten point, tab ten point one two. Okay. Or whatever that is, the new the newest tablet that they have. Just it has AWS LTE in it somewhere. Okay, but you're saying that. But it could, there's it wasn't attached to it. It's only for. Um, oh, it's Galaxy Note ten point one. That's what it is. Okay. The LTE version of the Galaxy Note ten point one on Verizon. Okay. Yeah, has banned four LTE. Okay. But I guarantee you that wasn't attached to it. Okay. But and, but and whenever... no, no other devices that are out there on their on Verizon can do it. Okay. That. But but when Verizon does light that up and make it public, then the Galaxy Note ten point one will be able yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And anything else that they like this next year, they'll be doing that. Okay. Um, and then what does that mean for Verizon consumers? Right. Um, more more capacity okay but aws isn't there's no real benefit to being on that frequency right like you actually want to be on the 700 megahertz band um, no it does not necessarily there are better propagation characteristics on 700 yeah but in uh environments like this you really want more attenuation sometimes yeah so you have smaller cells there are different ways to leverage it 700 could be like indoors yeah 2100 uh aws would be like outdoors interesting you know, and do you know how Verizon's going to be using it? They're just going to turn it on, just like <laughs> yeah, and then you get you get pushed over to what you get pushed over. Interesting. So each tower will just do both. No, each radio head does its own band. Okay. And then you need to deploy all new radio heads to do AWS. Okay. And those radio heads would would be on the same structures, physical structures that the seven hundred megahertz radio heads on are on the same towers. But then you have to deploy all new antennas on the top. Okay. Which sucks, but <laughs> wait, why yeah. does that suck? Because that means you have to go out and physically like get people out at cell sites yeah, doing yeah. things. Okay, like AT and T has for the most part already deployed dual band antennas. Okay, so they just need to wire them up. Okay, and when is AT and T doing this? Um, probably this year, I think. Okay. I don't really, I I don't want to say for sure. Okay, no, but that's fine. This this year, I would say, I mean. There's already some markets with AWS LT on AT&T, supposedly. Yeah. Like, um, I believe, what is it? It's Oklahoma City, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. It, there's somewhere, it was rumored, somebody drove out and it wasn't there. <laughs> I was highly skeptical. We'll see. Eventually it'll happen. Okay. Um, leaving the wireless world for a bit, um, we finally got to play around with uh, the Oculus VR Headset oh stuff. right right that was today yes um well you played with it too before me yes um so so uh, for those who you don't should know, go first okay for for those who don't know um well brian you're you're better at describing what this is what what is the the Oculus? well it's like virtual reality done the right way is their thing okay and the like non-gimmicky kind of sense yes um so the story is like the um the short story i, I met the founder of this company um so this kid, uh, he's like 16, and he got really into like VR headsets, and he ended up buying just everything that's on the market. Um, and I think he said he had at one point like 43 of these things. Um, and he was just like tinkering with them and hacking with them, and just he wasn't pleased with any of them. Um, and eventually, like he just wanted to build his own. And um, I, I guess you know it, it attracted a lot of attention. He ended up getting. Uh, like there's a management team involved. Like this is a legitimate company now. You know they they did a run of of dev kits on Kickstarter, um, which will be shipping soon here. Um, and and now you can like pre-order the dev kits on their website yeah. and stuff like that. So it's it's. I a, thought the thing was he emailed Carmack or something on yeah, a forum that's or true. something, and then he was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna you know 
talk more about this and somehow that turned into like we're gonna we're gonna make this a big thing yeah so i think um carmack messaged him because carmack was also yeah. doing this um, oh, okay or he was also really interested in it yeah and um so then carmack got really into it and <clears throat> the the whole idea is that like this is this is really the future of like immersion at, at least in the gaming space this is like a new level of immersive gaming um exactly so the demos they had here um i i got to see a uh, uh two demos um you you put the these are dev kits all right so like the the consumer product is um it's it's over a year away from launching um this is this is purely the the first samples the things that pre people pre-order on kickstarter this is all just for developers um well the version that we played with isn't even what they're gonna get yeah, yeah that's true that's this true. Is like pre that yeah um so they had them i i guess they had them both at uh like one of the pre-ces events uh -huh. and they were they were just doing briefings here but you kind of you strap on these goggles um and and they have a uh, uh like a big lcd um I, how big is it in this one like five inches or yeah something? five inches um and and the dev kit will have a seven inch lcd um and it's got like two little lenses and and the the display is divided in half so you you kind of get forced stereoscopic 3d right is that mm -hmm. accurate yeah yeah well so by split in half there are just two images yes. one for the left eye one for the right eye correct not it's not physically cut in half it's the same yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i think some people were confused about this too yeah he was telling me that people were saying that it has two displays no yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a single one panel. display yeah so this one i think is a um a 720p display but obviously future versions they're looking at um uh, the, the the difficulty here is they have to get an off-the-shelf display, right? They're not going to be able to ship enough, ship enough units to get kind of um, like a custom-tailored display to them yet. Yeah, of whatever size and res they want. Yeah, so so that that's one of the early limitations here. But the goal is that, you know, if enough people see this, develop good content around it, and, and kind of eventually like build a real proof of concept that this is going to work, they can go and get a good display panel vendor to, to kind of get on board mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. um, so do you look straight at the display, or is there like some lenses to like? There are lenses. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There are, there's two eyepieces, um, and they they're interchangeable. And so you they're can gonna... adjust it so that you get the right stereoscopic view. You you actually adjust the position of your face, right? Yeah. So like it, it it's um it's kind of like ski goggles almost, right? Yeah. It like blocks out all additional light, um, and it's got like a strap that snaps in snaps around the back of your head. So you put it on and you kind of move it up and down uh, and you look straight forward and, and just wait until everything's like move it up and down until everything's in focus um and that, that's when you strap it in um and does that does that make sense yeah it's i mean it's not like like the 3d glasses you wear when you're watching like a movie or something yeah like this is, these are it's a display that's in front of your face and so the other neat it's for thing virtual is, they're like virtual reality goggles yeah but i mean like people's eyes aren't set the same distance apart right mm -hmm. so you when well, you, you don't, look at it, you want to be looking at the center of the screen. Um, so it's not, it's not like you can adjust how far apart they are at this point. You know, like like move them left and right. Yeah, like they're they're fixed, but the the exit, like the circles were big enough. You know, the diameter yeah. was big enough. And and so um, once you once you kind of put this thing on you. Um, they, they had they were using uh, Epic's the Epic Citadel demo, um, which it was that kind of medieval themed demo that that came out on the iPhone right. back when. Uh, yeah, iPad. Yeah. Um, so they had this demo running, and um, 
I don't know. The kind of neat thing is you, you you're sitting there. They give you like they gave me an Xbox 360 controller, and they were basically like, "Don't touch the right thumbstick." You know, just mm-hmm. move around with the left one. And uh, so the, this headset features full tracking, right? Like, so you tilt your head to the left, and your your character tilts his head to the left. And uh, you know, one of the things they tell you to do early on is look to the left, and your guy looks to the left, and look to the right, and your guy looks to the right. And uh, what really trips people out is, or what what got me was, then they tell you to look over your shoulder and look behind you and uh, in this case the guy who was giving me the demo he was physically standing behind me but since i'm wearing this head mounted display i turn around and i see what's behind me like i don't see this guy i see what's behind me in this virtual world um and in one demo there was like a door behind me and uh the guy leading the demo said all right now now look over your shoulder and and take a look at the door Uh and it's just insane like you just turn around and yeah there's a door back there and their tracking is really fast yes yeah no i thought so brian mentioned like well that was one of the first things you mentioned when you saw it you said the tracking is like really really fast that's where they put most of their time is getting the you know mems accelerometer and compass and gyro yeah that and vincent's part really working well yes and sampling fast enough to make make it you know really track without errors yeah so you you just walk around with your left thumbstick and if you want to you know you can you can be walking straight and looking right or you can kind of look in the direction you want to go and and start walking that way well you're always walking into where you're looking yeah which is a little bit disconcerting but yeah and you can always still use you can still look using whatever your other you know thumbstick or mouse happens to be um but uh, I don't know. So the, the the first time you know I go through this Unity demo, uh, not the Unity demo, the um, the Citadel demo, and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, and then we switch over to another demo, which is um, uh, just a, a different engine demo um, that they were running. And and in this one, they had no clip mode turned on. So he tells me to kind of look at the ceiling and just fly up to it. So you know I do that, <laughs> and I fly up to the ceiling and I'm up in like some rafters. And he says, okay, now I want you to just look straight down. And I do. And I get that kind of vertigo feeling. Like, it's it's yeah. not as bad as, you know, standing at the top of a tall building and looking down. Like, that's really bad. But this is still like a video game. And I'm still getting that same effect just from being in right. immersed in this mm-hmm. thing. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, and then, you know, you, you, take the, you take the goggles off. And for a split second, like, my brain has to adjust to the fact yeah. that, like, I'm in a hotel room, not where I was in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really, really impressive. Um, this is still a dev kit. Like I got crazy amounts of motion sickness from it, um, and and that's mostly you know there there are two sources of lag primarily in this um, the display latency which which we already talked about you know they have to use off the shelf displays for now which is why this is a dev kit um, and then engine latency so that's something that they've engaged with uh, with Carmack with Epic with all these guys and that's the whole point of the dev kit so they'll get developers to kind of develop around Oculus right and and build like a uh, low latency engine and build the content for it. Cause I mean, that's the other big thing, right? Like you, right. And you were, you were saying this perfectly. Like, well, you... yeah. The, the, so the demos that I went through were the Citadel one and then they have some unity ones. And really what, what struck out at me is that so much of the game design and level design, cause they were just using like normal video games and like assets. Yeah. Which you can do. Yeah. Right? Which is fine. But when you do that, you really get a really obviously immersed perspective on the amount of lying that has to go on <laughs> to make the game look realistic on a computer screen. Yeah. Versus like if it were actually scaled 
proportional to everything else. Yeah. So you like made really it... you're like two feet tall in all these engines. Yeah. You know, and you shoot out of your face. <laughs> you know, right? And there's no detail. And yeah. like when you're walking up to like doorways and things, they're just really strange. But yeah. it's because when you're looking at it on the computer monitor, it's one thing. But when you're sort of living in your own body, it's very obvious how like the models are just not correct yeah and and this is again this is why this is a dev kit this is why you know for the first year it's going to be a dev device right because really no but for me that's the best part because it's like the medium is going to have to change to to fit this platform yeah you know and that's the real thing is that it's going to drive you know like you want to walk up to stuff and look at it you know like walk there like i've never walked up to things in video games and just kind of stared at them yes you know i just kind of like blow past them yeah. and they're just there they're like props in yep. this world that doesn't really exist whereas when you're there then you kind of want to like walk up to it and really like what is the texture on that thing yes no that's very true like and and that's one of the the first things that um uh one of their execs told me which is that the amount of detail in games today is just it's not enough right like you mm-hmm. need incredibly more detailed environments and models of everything because of this and uh so anyways, I, I think this is really, really cool. Um, they were driving the demo off of two GeForce GTX 680s. Um, and, and you know, even then... Even though you don't need that, though, to do that resolution? Yeah, like, but they were like, you know, for some of the stuff we have planned, like, it's yeah. got to be... Cause it, well, they know, need 60 or 120 or really high FPS, as much as they can get. Correct. Like, they can't... Like, latency is such a big issue otherwise. Um so I don't know. That's really cool. It's, it's something that um, I know we're, you know, I'm really looking forward to having you play around with it and just yeah yeah i'm a, i was impressed by it honestly i i mean it's not perfect um and and i think people need to set their expectations appropriately yes especially that you know this is a development platform and even the one that we looked at is like the development platform for the development platform yeah so it's not going to be a finished product but it is it is so much better than any other vr experience ever yes so I mean, what I would say is this isn't something if you're a gamer and you want to play on it, I don't buy it for a year, right? Like this is yeah. this this you need to be a developer. I think this is very, very much the case. Or you just want to live on the cutting edge and try. Yeah, I mean even the the usage model they were talking about is you know a developer picks it up, uses it for a few minutes, and then goes back to coding. Yeah. Right, and then picks it up, looks at what he did, and then goes back to coding. Yeah. Um, this... Well, I mean even the stuff they had, they had to really tweak both all the engines that they they showed off. Yeah. You know, all, all like even things like menus. Yeah, no, that's know? that's big. Um, okay, so anyways, that's that's really cool um, and something I'm looking forward to. I guess uh, over the next couple of years here, just I I, I don't know. I'm is really everybody. Sad. I know you're really big on the holodeck. This is like the obvious first step to it. Yes, I agree with that completely. I think this is um, like you get this right, and I can now see a clear path to holodeck. Mm-hmm. Right, like it's it's um, I that that part just is amazing to me because um, then you 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 can deal with the walking thing right like you can were you there when someone was suggesting like you just need a padded room mm-hmm. right yeah. like that's you know it, it's again clear path to the holodeck once you get this part right right, right. like mm-hmm. then the rest starts i don't know it starts falling into place um one, one other thing uh and and jason interfuentes from our team brought this up he, he texted me as he was at the airport and he was like uh uh one of the demos at, at Qualcomm was this DTS Headphones X demo, um, mm-hmm. w- which is... I haven't done that. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool. They, they built a little theater, right, in, in the middle of the show floor, and uh, it was a 7.1 DTS surround setup. Um, 
and you know they had the volume turned up decently high and like the bass was rumbling and stuff and uh you they had this like hundred dollar pair of sennheiser over the ear headphones um or i guess on ear headphones mm-hmm. um so they do like the the 7.1 test just the 7.1 test where it's you know you have uh, front left, then front right, then center. Is like it like the just... Microsoft Windows, like left channel, right it, channel? It's better than that. that? One? Okay. No, I know it's better than that, but it's basically that, right? Okay. And you feel it like everything's vibrating, like you you hear it, like it's it's you know it's very loud, it's mm-hmm. very present. Um, and then they repeat the same thing, and they tell you to put these headphones on, and I swear it sounds identical. Like it sounds maybe <clears throat> a little quieter, right? But it, it sounds like those speakers are still on. Like, I can still, like, I feel the vibration in, like, the, the bass. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then they say, okay. Feel the bass. Yeah. I, 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 then they say, okay. Um, then they drop the bass? <laughs> <laughs> then they tell you to, you know, we're, we're just going to, we're going to do that one more time, but now take the headphones on and off during it. And it turns out that that second time that they're doing it, like, it's it's all being simulated virtually by uh-huh. like the DTS processing on the uh, the DSP of the Snapdragon mm-hmm. 800. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you start thinking about mixing like positionally uh, positional accuracy with with audio mm-hmm. right in in virtual surround and all that stuff with yeah. this type of a headset and again clear path to to holodeck. Um, so that's really cool. Right, just don't get addicted to it. Like Barclay. <laughs> Yeah, don't get addicted to it. Um, Jared, I want to ask you about some of the stuff you saw here. Um, you Did you meet with Crucial, Micron? Yes, I did. So what did they have? They made a big announcement here. Yeah, so there were two things they were announcing. Um, and the first was they had a working demo of DDR4 going on. Okay. So What, what platform was that? So uh, that's kind of the, it was, they called it the Frankenstein box. They're like, they would not answer any questions about it. Interesting. I'm like, I'm like so is this like a special version of Ivy Bridge? Or is this like a future platform that's not yet re- ready for public consumption? Like we can't, we can't say neither about of that. those. And, and the box is like totally locked up and everything. All you could see was like the DDR4 um, dim sitting out there. And was it, it a had, PC? Like was it running Windows? Yeah, it's a, it a PC running Windows. I think it was even Windows XP. I, I'd have to. I could be wrong on that. But no, that would make sense. Like it, it had tr- like the little bouncing balls demo going around just to show that it was actually doing something. Interesting. If it's a, I mean, because so it, it, it's um, when you bring up a new microprocessor, you usually bring it up like on whatever the simplest OS is that you can, mm-hmm. um, just so you can get your software tools like up and running or whatever. Um, so if it is something that's like a future generation chip, yeah. Um, what and, was it brought up on? I, I, I don't know. They, no, they, they, they went to uh, XP. Oh, oh it's oh, okay. on XP. Yeah, and one of the things is, so their their point with DDR4 is, so the the uh, memory devices are now um, 4 gigabit each instead of 2 gigabit was typical with DDR3. And they're saying, you know, basically you're doubling your, your capacity for, for DIMMs. And, and so um, starting, you'll basically have 4 gigabyte um, dims will be standard, and eight gigabyte will be your double-sided dims. Yeah, so we're going from two and four, right? To four and eight. Okay. So you you basically shouldn't see anything smaller than four gigabyte um, DDR4 dims. That's awesome for mm. desktop use. Mm. Yeah, and they're saying on servers, you know, they they can move all the way up to you know easily up to sixteen gigabyte, and you'll get higher density servers. And the other big deal with DDR4s. You know, we've got DDR3 low voltage stuff that runs at 1.35 volts, and technically you could go lower than that, but 
DDR4 is starting at 1.2 volts and they foresee it probably having low voltage parts down in the 1.0 to 1.1 volt range. So, you know, it, it reduces your power consumption, which will be nice. Yeah. Um, no, that's really interesting. I want to I wanna see what box is in there. Because I'm yeah. trying to... Uh, well, and since they're they going to tell you they really servers, regret letting you yeah. open the box. I mean, it, it wouldn't be surprising that if, if they're talking about servers, it could very well be some future Xeon server platform that's and that's it. really weird for them to show off like an unreleased because um, it's not Haswell Haswell's launching with DDR3 right um, although I wonder if there will be a platform update before Broadwell to enable I mean because Broadwell will support DDR4 um, maybe I don't know maybe it's well they did say I mean they, they basically said there are very few of these boxes out there in existence and they're for <laughs> validation and stuff and they're like yeah like Micron only has like two or something of these boxes wow. in their possession and so they had to pack one of them up and bring Hope it to it CES and it's all lost. locked up and I mean like they wouldn't even let me touch the mouse or keyboard or anything on I'm this. sure it's like and I don't even think the keyboard was accessible it's like all all hidden away and they're like see it's running you can <laughs> see the ball bouncing on the screen isn't that great um, and what frequency was that DDR4 so it's they said um, it's I guess the the base frequency they say is kind of 1866. They were running at 2133, okay. and they said the only reason they're not running it higher was that their platform was that was the maximum they could run it at. Like okay. I said, you know, they've they've done internal testing where they're easily hitting you know 24, 2600, 2800 megahertz. Um, GDEC is going up to um, DDR4 um, uh, 3200 megahertz. Nice. So. So and that's that's just now. So we could see even faster DDR4 up into the like 4,000 megahertz range. That's awesome. Um, what's the other announcement? So they announced the D. Uh, they they show DDR4 working. What else? What else do they do? The other one was um, their their new M500 series of SSDs. Okay. And so they're now ditching the different naming for Crucial and Micron branded SSDs. They're both going to be M500. Okay, that makes sense because they used to do um, the crucial drives were like C four hundred, and then the micron version would be M four. Right. Right. So now it's all M five hundred. That that works. I'm okay with that. So they're moving to the the new Marvel controller. The ninety one eighty seven. Yes. Okay. And that's not like a, a huge change. Well, I, I mean, it's a nice change. The other thing being that they're moving to twenty nanometer um, micron flash, mm -hmm. and the bigger deal there is, I mean, they've already got twenty nanometer. Um, with 64 gigabit um, die, and this one's going to have, they were showing this with 128 gigabyte, uh, gigabit die. So, so basically, you're now getting terabyte class with eight packages with um, eight die per package. And that's huge, right? So, so 120 gigabit die, 16 gigabytes per die, um, you can now finally hit, easily hit a, a terabyte. Yeah. And an SSD, and they announced like they announced pricing, didn't they? Yeah, they they said their pricing for their one terabyte will come in under six hundred dollars. That's awesome. Like I can't. That is that's just really awesome. Because yeah. it wasn't that long wow. ago that it was like two fifty six was yeah. at, is at six hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, heck, even the first the Intel X twenty five M, the eighty gig drive when that launched yeah. was uh, six hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. So and you know and I'm they wouldn't say anything about pricing on the others. Obviously, there's you might get the quantity discount with the higher capacity drives it remains to be seen but for me i'm like that means 300 dollars hopefully for 512 or 480 gigabyte yeah ssds and that's for me that's the sweet spot because i mean when i've got my laptop with my 
various Steam games, my Anantech folders, which are, you know, <laughs> each year of Anantech, I end up with pictures and video and stuff. It's it's close to 100 gigabytes. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, by the time you do email and my work stuff and some games, 256 isn't enough. Yeah. And especially if you want to leave at least 20% spare area so that you're getting the better performance. So for me, 512 gigabytes drives are what I really want to get in a laptop. Yep. And I just, I can't afford, generally speaking, going out and buying these $1,000 or $700 512 gigabyte drives. But yeah. 300 is far more palatable. Yeah, no, that's, that's I'm really excited about that. When when did they say this would be out? Uh, they didn't actually say clearly. They might have mentioned it to me, but their press release that they gave me didn't actually specify a date. It, it's sounding like Q2. Okay, that's awesome. Well, that's that's something to look forward to in the, you know, the next few months here. Um, now, Jared, you also saw... A lot of laptops. Unfortunately, some of the ones with the coolest displays you can't talk about. Yeah. Um, and and we definitely did see some with with cool displays. But you, you do have thoughts on on laptop displays that you saw at CES. Yeah. So I pulled up just you know I've been doing laptops for what like seven years or something with an on tech, and uh, I I was doing display testing as well when I first started doing laptops, and so I was I was doing this display testing and you know you'd see decent high-end displays that we were getting for testing and then I'd go back to testing laptops and all the displays were kind of crappy and <laughs> so I did an article almost six I years ago. I feel more strongly than crappy though. Right yeah you know I, I just watch my language to be okay. nice. So I, I did an article like nearly six years ago called Road Warriors Deserve Better and I basically tested like five laptops that I had that were relatively high-end laptops and I showed how their their colors and their quality and their brightness and all these features the, all these aspects were basically junk yeah and, and i said you know it's it's really sad that our displays are this poor on laptops and and little did i know at the time but other than getting brighter over the coming years and that was mostly thanks to the move to led backlighting a lot of things almost got worse <laughs> No, you know, no, it's been a race to the bottom. Yeah, everyone's, you know, it's like we got to cut our price by 5%, 10% per year. Yep. And in order to do that, the quality is dropping. And, you know, you compound that annually for seven years. And now, you know, it actually you used to see a lot more 1610 aspect ratio displays with 1920 by 1200 mm-hmm. available. And now it's like everything is... 169 so you got a smaller display which was a little cheaper for them to make and their contrast has i mean almost all of the consumer laptop displays are like 200 250 to 1 contrast <laughs> and, and it's pathetic wow 250 to 1 yeah it's they're really bad i mean 250 to 1 is the higher ones um and and the nicer wow. displays are 750 to 1 you know which is all right but it's not stellar it's not 800 and then you throw in the colors, and it's like, you know, you got professional displays on mobile workstations, and they charge you $600 to upgrade to a professional display. Yeah. And it's just a joke. And those will give you good colors and all these features. And then you, you take just like the one step down, it's like you're at 65% color gamut. Your average delta E without calibration is like greater than 10 <laughs> You know, and and wow. your contrast, if you're lucky, is greater than 500 to 1. But for for consumers, you're getting 1366 by 768. And I've been dying inside for years and crying about this. And, you know, manufacturers tell me, you know, no one cares about displays. And I, and I told them, market it. 
make it make it a point yeah. stop telling them about how hey we got a little bit faster processor say hey look we've got a better display mm -hmm. and lo and behold apple comes out with a retina display and they did exactly what i've been telling for years say hey you got to market your displays and make people care about your displays they mm -hmm. don't know they should care yeah and now everyone's like oh my gosh have you seen the tablet displays have you seen the retina display and so now people are getting excited and and this ces was the first time where Last CES, I think I saw two laptops with IPS displays. Yeah. One was uh, the Lenovo X, what was it, X220, something like that. Mm -hmm. And the other was uh, Sony Vio SE. And I was like, great, you know, we've got two S, uh, I, I think HP NV15 also had a, an IPS. This one, um, I would say, you know, for the higher quality laptops, we were probably looking at maybe a quarter of them had IPS displays. Which was huge for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're actually getting IPS finally. And it's not that IPS is the best thing ever, but TN just sucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's it's very noticeable. And, and even though it's not 100% of them, at least now you have options. Right? right. And so even more important, I went by Intel's booth and I put up a, a post about this in our pipeline. But I snapped pictures of all the Ultrabooks they had just looking at the Touch Ultrabooks. And so there were convertibles and Touch Ultrabooks. And there were about 12 of them. And I think half of them had 1080p displays. And of the 1080p displays, I think all but one of them were wide viewing angle. Okay. So, you know, that's, I mean, we're, we're batting nearly 500 for IPS displays and Ultrabooks. And Ultrabooks are being this, for the most part, they're premium quality, premium laptops. And so, you know, you can't push a premium quality device with a, budget quality display yes so i just never understand that since that's what you're looking at all the time yeah for for me when i'm using my laptop there's the two most important things are the display because you're looking at it constantly and the the keyboard and touchpad because that's the other thing that you interface with mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's like you know who cares whether your your processor is faster or you've got good graphics if your display is painful to look yeah. at and if it's everything painful I'm interfacing to type on with? you're like well why am i using this I mean, obviously, I write for a living, so keyboard matters more than, more to me than it does for others. Mm -hmm. But even so, it's like you know, it shouldn't be this hard to make a, a decent keyboard. Yeah. But it's amazing how many people still get that wrong in that race to the bottom. Yeah, and it's it's frustrating. Um, you know, uh, Jared, you and I met with AMD, and um, you know, we're going over their kind of their future roadmap and stuff like this, and and uh, you know they. They've got a lot of exciting products that they're they're trying to bring to market and that'll go into like sub seven hundred dollar notebooks, and I had to stop them during the meeting and I was like, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a GPU performance advantage over Intel, it doesn't even matter if you have a good CPU, if you're going into a six hundred dollar notebook that has a horribly slow mechanical hard drive that's got a terrible display panel, an unusable trackpad, you know what? At some point, that consumer is just going to give up and buy an iPad, like, and mm -hmm. and that's what's been happening. Yeah. Right? Or they're going to give up and they're just going to buy a Mac. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, it's it's really frustrating to me because I don't want that to be the solution. And, and you know, speaking they're with They're forcing AMD, it to be. Yeah. And, and speaking with AMD, they are also frustrated, right? Because they... You know, this isn't how the PC industry was built. It wasn't built on these companies forcing their partners to do a better job at building these chassis. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's where it's going. Um, so AMD's solution to the problem is they're going to build better reference platforms. 
and and say look this is this is what the reference platform is and, and maybe you can try and rise up to the challenge mm-hmm. um, I know Intel's taking a much more hands-on approach with their OEMs um, we saw that this last round with the Acer S7 the Acer W510 and the Acer um, W700 mm-hmm. but even then it's not perfect and and I think even Intel realizes that they need to go in now and, and finish you know that kind of the equivalent of the last mile of the device now mm-hmm. um, it's sad that it's gotten to this, but I mean, I feel like if this doesn't get fixed in the next like one to two generations max, then like these guys are just going to lose all of their, all of their, uh, I guess, users who matter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a ton of budget laptop buyers, and you know, right now I don't think you, I don't think a lot of people can live running just an iPad four, but an iPad five is going to be a little bit faster and a little bit better, mm-hmm. and an iPad six is like if you can give me a, a good keyboard docking solution with an iPad 6 that folds up, you know, like the Asus Transformer type yeah. mechanics. It's like you'll get 10 hours plus battery life. You'll get a great experience. You'll get locked into the Apple ecosystem and you will never go back to yeah. running Windows. And, you know, my mom, my siblings at, at five $600, they could totally do that and never miss Windows again. Yeah, and and I think I mean this is so th- this is what a lot of what we've been doing when we talk to the OEMs at these shows, um, and and not even just the OEMs but also the component vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was speaking with uh, uh, a fairly popular SSD manufacturer, and I was explaining to them that look, you you can't deliver an inconsistent performance when it comes to your value SSDs because again, it's going to end up in a notebook, and it has to go head to head with you know Apple shipping like an awesome Samsung drive in in their yeah. notebooks and. You know, if they get fed up with your your drive or your notebook, they're they're just never gonna buy it again. Like you just you've lost them, right? Like they they're never coming back. Um, I mean, you think about it. How many times, like if a if a particular product pisses you off or like a particular brand pisses you off, you don't you're keep gonna, going back. You're not gonna reward it. No, it's it's done. Um, so we've really been stressing this, especially at this show, um, to to every every piece of the chain, uh, and and I don't know. Let's let's hope some good comes from it. If you want to take another subject that matters to people with these things, I mean, I can't tell you how many times friends or family come to me with malware, but they never come when they've got a tablet with malware. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just one more reason for them to be looking elsewhere. So don't give them anything more to to push them away. Yeah. No, that's that's very true. Um, They come and they have pop-ups everywhere? (laughs) Yeah. Or is that just because it's after the holidays and you have to deal with that? Oh. No, but I mean, the, the funny thing is, is, you know, like pornography is one of the big ones for malware and everyone's oh yeah, well they must have been surfing porn, right? No, these are like, they've got kids who, 12 year old kids who hop online and they're like, hey, I want to play free Minecraft. Uh-huh. Yeah. Boom. They just got a virus. No, so I actually, I do, I do have a friend and it's just, it's all porn with him. Like it's just, I <laughs> right. can't, like every single time. Like, Dude, he needs to use a VM. <laughs> no, we. Incognito mode. No, he doesn't understand the computer stuff too well. Like, um. Me and one he of my doesn't friends. understand the computer stuff too well. <laughs> he just but he's we'll, your friend. No, we'll we'll give him a like you know he he uh we used to like build him a computer like every year uh-huh. right we build him a wow, computer nice. and and I mean not like a you know three way yeah. GTX six eighty or something uh-huh. but build him a computer and like send him the parts or whatever and and like usually within like three months right he's like oh my computer doesn't work right and like we would go he doesn't live in the same state so we we'd go out to him and you get on the computer and there's just like tons of porn like everywhere and i'm like what are you doing dude like and I, i'm just downloading everything and like i try to explain to him that like those sites he visits like they're not just there like f- 
just because he likes porn. Uh-huh. Like they're they're like doing they're getting yeah. something out of this in exchange. <laughs> oh, duh. Yeah. And I remember the, the eventually we graduated to the point where like we just started giving him old laptops, like really old laptops. Uh-huh. He doesn't really care about performance, but you know he just wants to surf the web, right? So we started giving him really old laptops. I remember we drove over there one day and um, we give him the laptop and we're like, dude, this this works perfectly fine. Okay, just don't just don't watch porn on it. Like, just don't. Uh-huh. Just quit. Just, you don't have to do that. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I won't. And literally, the next morning, he's like, my computer doesn't work right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. In cocaine in some fashion. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm like, you, if you don't know how to deal with it, it's just, the, the porn thing is a problem, I think, if, if you don't know how to properly... So, you want a hilarious one? Yeah. My mother, who is really i mean for a 75 year old she's actually i'm impressed that she can use a computer as well as she does it all okay she's really big into downton abbey yeah she got the fbi money pack virus if you don't know what that is go google it it's <laughs> it's horrible it puts up your webcam picture of you saying you've been searching oh, right. searching for child pornography or <laughs> yeah. or committing copyright Infringement or one of these other horrible things. Pay us two hundred dollars. Yeah, to yeah. It's always like pay us, pay so, us uh, just a small amount of money. <laughs> so, so this past December, she calls me and she she had totally gotten her computer messed up, and the reason was she was Downton Abbey season three is aired in the UK. Yeah. And someone explained to her how to search online to find the videos and watch them. Yeah. So she watched the whole season and she searches for season three episode nine and she she just can't find it and keeps searching searching finally finds a place that says it offers it and so she tried to get it from there and probably said oh i need this viewer installed okay yes yeah and she gets this virus well season three episode nine doesn't actually exist so anyone offering it is obviously not your friend so my mom oh, so she got caught up to date and then wanted something new yeah she exists. wanted something new that didn't exist yeah. she was all frustrated she's like where's season where's episode 9 <laughs> but that's pretty I mean that's pretty good though that she was able to like yeah, know, and navigate to that point well and so that's the thing is like there are so you know it's, it's pornography is, is a big one for getting people with viruses right yeah. but there are all sorts of things that you know your 10 year old kid is just looking for a fun little free yeah. online game to play and oops he just got a virus. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's uh it's that's a big Jared's problem. rant. Yeah, that's Jared, that's Jared's rant. Um, okay, so getting off the porn subject and moving on to um, I've got a few things to talk about here. Um, not too many. Um, I got to spend some time with Microsoft Surface Pro. So last year Microsoft actually pulled out of CES. They used to for as long as I can remember, they had like a giant, giant booth here. Um, the one that's high sense now. Yeah, it's it's high sense now. Um, so they pulled out, and um, but they're still kind of here. Um, they're not officially here, like affiliated with the yeah. CEA, so they don't have to like pay the CEA mafia or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, were off off campus at a at a hotel somewhere, and they were you know just doing some uh, some hands on demos of Surface. Um, I guess the official name is Surface with Windows Eight Pro. It's basically the seventeen watt Ivy Bridge Surface. Mm. Um, and uh, we can't say too much, but I can talk about my experience using it. Um, build quality is really good. Um, they uh, they went to a slightly different kickstand design architecturally, but it's it's still fundamentally the same thing. Are they using that same keyboard mechanism? Yeah, it, it, it you can use it with the exact same touch and type covers that you oh, could use cool. with Surface RT. Yeah, it's it's physically the same size. It's just thicker and heavier. Um, the thing is definitely it's not light, right? Like it's. I, I don't consider it to be super heavy, 
but because it comes in a tablet form factor you know it's it does it have a fan it does have a fan um it actually has two fans oh wow okay Um, well so they do that um their whole thing is they they do that to uh kind of run them both at lower speeds rather than there's one intake and one you sure it's not to make it feel like a gaming device (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no so it's actually really cool um because it's a tablet with fans like we're used to notebooks with fans uh-huh. they can actually switch between inlet and exhaust depending on orientation oh right okay. so you're never exhausting hot air into your hand that's oh. cool yeah so that was it's again surface is all about like microsoft saying hey we know how to design stuff and we can do attention to detail like that that's the big statement that it makes because surface it's based on ivy bridge it doesn't have thunderbolt like it's not it's not the be-all end-all device yeah but Microsoft's proving that it can do certain things, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can see, well, if the pieces start to fall into place, you know, let's say they get a lower power CPU in there, right? Maybe a 7-watt Haswell. Uh, they can cut down the overall device size. Yeah. They can put a lighter, a smaller battery, lighter chassis. They can extend battery life. So, like, I see a clear path here. Um, and are they using 1080p displays? or? So, on Surface Pro, it's a 1080p display. Um, and... Uh, I don't yeah. know. Speaking of fans, though, we haven't talked about Tegra Four at all. We We're haven't get in trouble if we don't talk about Tegra Four. That's true. That's true. We'll we'll talk about that. So, anyways, okay. that's that's Surface Pro. Um, we, we we don't have a review samples yet. Uh, review sample yet, but um, uh, hopefully, you know, they they said it's going to be launching sometime very soon. So, uh, we'll of course be on that as soon as we get something there. Um, before we get to Tegra Four, um, I want to talk a little bit about the seven watt Ivy Ridge announcement. That Intel made. Mm-hmm. So at its keynote, or not keynote, at its um, I guess press event at CES, Kirk Scavin over at Intel um, announced unexpectedly or expectedly, depending on how much you've been um, reading between the lines as <laughs> to what's been going on, that um, they're pulling in a sub ten watt Ivy Bridge SKU, um, and they called it a seven watt Ivy Bridge SKU. Now these are the Y series SKUs, so it'll there'll be like a, a Pentium version, a Core i3, i5, and i7, um, and the Core ones, uh, you know, you'll just have a Y at the end of it, um, like you would have a K or an S otherwise, um, and the Y in uh, implies a seven watt rating. So unlike every other SKU or every other part that Intel makes, you know, every other part that Intel makes has a TDP rating on it, um, and this is the uh, uh, you know kind of thermal design power of of that. Does the part. Y stand for anything? No, it's just why. Oh, hopefully well, not YOLO. <laughs> the <laughs> the letter letters are generally YOLO. lower power, right? Yeah, S or, or oh, I think okay. they just oh. stand for like U is ultra ultra low voltage, M is mobile, K is cool, and Y is YOLO apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops, YOLO. So it's T and S. <laughs> Sorry to derail that. <laughs> so so the. <laughs> I think that's good. I think this is the first time on the entire publication that YOLO has been... Yeah, it's the first and the last, <laughs> yeah. hopefully. Okay, all right, all right. So um, so the way you calculate TDP, um, this is something that both AMD and, and Intel do, and, you know, the GPU guys do it as well, but traditionally the CPU makers always talk about it. Um, they run a bunch of applications, a uh, combination of real-world applications, and some of them are things like multitasking, right? Like, so playing a game while watching a video and stuff like that. Um, and then they'll also run like a bunch of power viruses. And these are things that are designed to just switch as many transistors in parallel as physically possible. So they'll run all this content and they'll, they'll uh, measure, you know, total power consumption um, or power dissipation at a uh, given max core temperature. Um, in this case, it's 105 degrees Celsius. And that becomes the TDP of that particular part at that frequency. 
Um, so this is what they've done for years. Um, this hasn't changed. The 7-watt Ivybridge part um, is actually still rated at a 10-watt TDP. Uh, the 7-watt is a new rating. It's Scenario Design Power, so SDP. And the idea is that for a lot of these tablet applications that you're not running power viruses, you're not running all this other stuff, um, they're, they're not going to... They're not going to ever get to 10 watts. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll they'll be much lower. So what Intel does here is they take a portion of a benchmark. They're not saying which benchmark, um, and they measure TDP with the core having a max temperature of I believe around 80 Celsius, down from 105. And their whole thinking there is um, any good tablet design, for example, won't allow uh, like if the core gets to 105. Uh, before the core gets there, you'll have a skin temperature issue with the tablet. Like, the tablet will get uh -huh. too hot. Yeah. Um, so they're thinking that, you know, in these types of devices, 80 degrees Celsius core temperature is the max, and, and this is the TDP that you get running this portion of a workload. Yeah. Um, and it is a CPU and GPU mixed workload, so it's it's both ramping up together. Um, and that's where the 7 watts come from. And what they do to validate the uh, kind of accuracy of that seven watts is that they then run a bunch of what what intel uses is kind of common tablet workloads on it and and they make sure that average power because um, it'll it'll thanks to turbo boost and stuff like that it'll still peak up above seven watts but the average power over a thermally significant period of time should be seven watts or less um and and that's what they do they run these applications these these tablet workloads you know, things like browsing the web, email, you know, watching videos, multitasking even there, um, even playing games. Uh, they run these things as long as they're below 7 watts, then at that frequency the CPU is rated at a 7 watt uh, scenario design power. Mm -hmm. So the that's that. Those are the facts. Um, it's a bit hypocritical on Intel side because I'm pretty sure it kind of poked fun at AMD when AMD did something similar like this in the mm -hmm. server space with mm -hmm. Barcelona and ACP. Um, which was, you know, AMD's way of saying, hey, our parts don't actually use this much power in most situations. Uh -huh. um, so, so there seems to be a bit of, um, hey, you're doing the same exact thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but beyond that, it's difficult to get too upset with Intel because these ratings only really matter to the OEM, right? Like it's, it's uh -huh. uh, their guidance for the OEM, Um and Intel's new, and obviously Intel's motivated to like get into the tablet market. The notebook, PC notebook market is not doing so well right now, yeah. right? And ultrabooks are one way of solving that. But another thing is Intel needs to get into a tablet. And without a Nexus device win and without an iPad win, they have to rely on these kind of core-based, yeah. you know, Windows tablets or, or even out-of-base tablets. So, so obviously showing lower numbers um, and, and driving that down more aggressively uh hopefully gets them into to more of these Windows 8 tablets and, and gets there sooner. But I don't, I mean, uh, a different rating doesn't really change. I mean, the OEM knows what the OEM is going to build. Um, and, and the ARM guys don't really specify, like publicly specify a TDP. So mm -hmm. it, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm not really, I, I get the uproar. I get the, you know, the concern that any anytime someone changes the way they're reporting something, like it's immediately like red flags go off and, um, but, but I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that this is the biggest issue in the world. Um, the interesting thing is Ivy Bridge at 7 watts, if that's indeed average power, um, uh, if we compare it to the data we got on Nexus 10, for example, um, CPU, in, in a lot of those workloads, the average power looked more like 4 watts 
mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and peak looked more like eight watts. Yeah. Um, so, and this would be a rough co- comparison, but it, it would almost be like the SDP over there is four watts, and uh-huh. the uh, and the TDP would be eight. Um, I, I don't know that it's necessarily that uh, sophisticated versus just thermal throttling, which is what's going on mm-hmm. there. But but that would be kind of the comparison of of putting this in perspective. Um, then the other only other Intel news I had here is Intel did do a demo of Haswell GT3e, which is the highest performing. You know the the you know today we have HD four thousand mm-hmm. HD twenty five hundred. Yeah. This is like the the big Haswell GPU, um, and the the lowercase e means it has the embedded DRAM, um, which is a uh, I don't know let's somewhere sub one hundred dollar adder onto the cost of Haswell that gives it just super fast local DRAM, you know, on package. Uh, so they, they did a little Dirt 3 1080p high quality, no AA GPU demo comparing Haswell. Um, this was a, a mobile customer reference board. So it's it's like a mobile motherboard. Um, I couldn't see the cooling solution, so I don't know if it was a mobile cooling solution mm-hmm. or a desktop one in a desktop chassis. Um, and they had that compared to uh, an Asus UX51. Is that the 15-inch? Yeah. Okay. So so um, compared to one of those with a GT six fifty M from Nvidia in there, um, both running Dirt three ten eighty p high quality settings, no AA, and they're basically like, can you tell which one is Nvidia and which one's Intel? Um, for the most part, we published this video. Like I couldn't really tell the difference. Um, I did pick the one that was. Uh, I did notice that one seemed a little bit slower. Uh-huh. Um, Rendering quality still good though. Yeah, it all looked fine. No, like I went in, no weird problems. No, I went in. I checked all the settings. Like it, it, it looked out. I mean, it, it, it looked fine. Um, so it, it looks like GT six fifty M performance is their target. Like Intel said that this is the level of, of performance that you should expect to get in a notebook. Like even though it was running in this you know funny desktop yeah. thing, they were like, this is absolutely the target. Um, and that's particularly exciting, not necessarily for the folks that have like the bigger notebooks, like a 15-inch notebook, you can still fit a discrete GPU in there, um, and NVIDIA presumably is going to have something faster than uh-huh. the 650M, but for everyone using a device that can't get a discrete GPU in it, right? So 13-inch notebooks, uh, well, a lot of 13-inch notebooks, yeah. and especially like the Ultrabooks and stuff, like this is game changer, right? If you build a good notebook now, you have like a real graphics option, mm-hmm. right? Like that's not going to completely drain power when you've also got like i mean the the asus ux 51 vz which is what i've actually been using all around ces this this year but you know it's it's got a 35 watt tdp quad core processor in it the the 36 12 qm yeah and it's also got the gt 650m which is probably another what 35 watts probably. tdp and so now we're talking about haswell basically gives you that level of performance in what a 35 watt 25 watt tdp um, certainly yeah. lower I, I would assume like at, mm. at that performance level um you do so it's not clear if those yeah. tdps also go up because of the on die voltage regulation as well or the, the on-chip voltage regulation um but regardless the... it will be way lower than whatever nvidia plus intel is currently correct using. i think again i think in the larger devices where gaming performance is kind of a very significant right. factor um a discrete gpu will still happen right. um and, and a 650m of... is respectable performance i mean it's it's not like you can't max out everything but you can play 1080p medium to high detail in most games yeah. and and be happy 
So I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays in other titles, because uh, Intel, yeah. at least with Ivy Bridge, did vary quite a bit in, in how well it did. Yeah. And Dirt was one of the better ones, I believe. Yeah, Dirt 3 is not exactly the most complex game. Correct. So, NVIDIA's GPUs that are mobile are still G, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not. They're not LP. Because huh. um, they're they're still optimized for, I guess, frequency, right? Like yeah. They, It'd be cool if they were LP somehow. Yeah. Magically. I mean, I'm assuming that they're still they're they're not on LP. Yeah, I think they're all G. Yeah. I'm just wondering. Um. So, anyways, yeah, I, I wouldn't get too excited. Like, if 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 it if it comes close to 650M, I think I'll be happy. Um, and then it's just an issue of making sure that OEMs actually spend the extra money on it. So if we're talking G key three versus G key three E, the E portion will add somewhere less than a hundred dollars to the total cost. I believe so. I mean, that's, I, mean I would assume most OEMs are probably paying about a hundred dollars to add a GT six fifty M. Never mind the R and D and design. But so then aspects. there's also the question of how much does GT three versus Haswell GT two add, right? Yeah. So it's it's not clear, you know. I, I don't know that Haswell GT three is necessarily going to be where um, Ivy Bridge GT2 is in terms of pricing. Like, this could just be a, a really great way for Intel to just add huge yeah. amounts of dollars onto, <laughs> right, onto every laptop that's in. Um, anyways, so it's getting late, and we're at an hour and 16 minutes, so it's a bit shorter than normal, but we need sleep because we have not been sleeping What about here. Tiger 4, though, real Oh, fast. yeah, we do have Otherwise, we're going to get in trouble. Yeah, so we, we are. Mint Indian Bistro. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, mint in, you want to talk about Mint Indian Bistro? <laughs> no, no. Really? I'm okay. going to write about it. Okay. okay. We'll talk about Tiger 4. Um, what do you want to talk about Tiger 4 with? Should we go with the architecture? 4 a well, I guess five A15s. Yes, so it's... 4 a fifteen, four plus 1. It's a 4 plus 1 architecture, just like Tiger 3. The uh, the fifth companion core, again, it switches on um, basically below... At workloads that demand performance below about a 700 or 800 megahertz Cortex-A15, once you get a workload that demands more than that, it gets swapped out and the four, or one, two, three, and then four yeah. A15s get swapped in. Um NVIDIA is saying that peak clock speeds on the A15s will be somewhere around 2 gigahertz. Um, and it's HPL. Yes, it's, yeah, HPL. So uh, 28 nanometer high-K metal gate um, optimized for low leakage um, just across the board. Um, so not necessarily pushing as high frequencies as yeah. as you could with HPM. What's um, die size? Die size is around... They said around 80, didn't they? Yep, around 80 millimeters squared. So it's it's actually technically a little bit bigger than Tiger 3, but in the same realm. Um, right. So wafer cost will be higher. So overall chip cost will still be higher initially, but it should be able to settle down to, to a very similar level. Um, on the GPU side, it is a evolution of the Tiger 3 GPU. So it's a 72-core GPU. Um, and the way they have it divided is 24... Uh, let's see... It's 24 vertex shaders, and then, uh, yeah, 48 um, pixel shaders. So it's still not a it's still not a unified yeah. architecture. And what was Tegra three? Tegra that or no Tegra three was um, four and eight. Oh, right, yeah. Um, I think so. Yeah, I can never remember it. I was Tegra three. Tegra three was 12 cores, so it was four and eight. Right. Okay. Um, and and then this is 24 and 48. And uh, but the, the 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 pixel shaders have been updated. Um, actually, I have a list here of things that did. Got... They tell us if it's ES three You know, they didn't. That was, I didn't think to ask it at the time. No, you're right. I was just so like, still kind of in shock about five A fifteens. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, here's here's the stuff I learned today. Um, the vertex unit is NV forty derived. 
um, the fragment pipes, so the, the, the pixel shaders are, are from scratch design. Um, and the entire pipeline was built as a programmable pipeline. So all the stuff that we've talked about since, you know, Tegra 3. Yeah. Um, the additions from Tegra 3 include um, real multi-sampling anti-aliasing. Anti oh, right, right. So we have that. That finally now. works. Yep. Um, frame buffer compression, so color and Z compression. 24-bit um, Z and stencil, up from 16-bit before. Um, higher resolutions are supported from a render target and display perspective. Um, shader precision is FP20, which we did talk about in mm -hmm. our initial article. And NVIDIA now supports FP16 filter and blended hardware. So this is um, NV40 class HDR. Um, and that's, that's all we know at this point. Um, they don't support um, ASTC. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. They are saying that it's up to about 100 gigaflops total on the GPU side. Um, but they're not telling us clocks yet. And I haven't worked out the math yet. Mm -hmm. um, but This is from a meeting today, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and they want to sit down with you, Brian. Their, their, their Brian, who's their camera guy, uh -huh. wasn't, right. okay. or, he wasn't around today. But they're going to go over old HDR stuff um, and, and what they're doing. That'll be cool. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what they were saying that was different is that their sensors, uh, their sensor basically dumps directly into main memory, mm -hmm. and then the ISP, GPU, and CPU all access it from there versus they, at least what they painted everyone else's pipeline is, you know, it goes from sensor to ISP to memory, and then mm -hmm. other post-processing. Yeah, done. that's true. Um, so here they're saying they dump from sensor directly into main memory, okay. and then everyone gets access to it. Um, okay. And that they do a lot of... Um, ISP and GPU work on that data at the same time in memory. Huh. So is it like GPGPU, like OpenCL stuff they're running on it? They're using the GPU. Um, okay. <laughs> and they said they're using um, all the colors. The, so the ISP does all the debayering, but okay. the GPU, which is how it always yeah. works. Yeah. Um, but all color space and HDR processing happens on the GPU. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, and that's how they're able to get their like super fast um, HDR. Mm -hmm. um, and I did confirm that it, they are doing two interleaved exposures right? Um, versus three, as you pointed mm -hmm. out. Um, so that's all we know there, but Brian's going to talk to their Brian, and they're going to hash out what all the actual Yeah, that's interesting. Are. Yeah, they didn't... They, this is the, we should ask if it's ES 3.0. Now I want to know. I can't believe I didn't think of that. I can't believe I didn't think of it either. Um, so that's Tiger 4, um, and it obviously it launched in Shield, which is NVIDIA's... Yes. Handheld gaming device. Okay. Um, that's so, a PC gaming companion and also runs Android yeah. and um, they're going to sell directly it's like their first device. direct device product yeah, yeah. so it's, it's pretty cool it's got a what is a 5 inch 720p display uh -huh. that's right, right. Um, and it's got Tegra 4 inside with a heat sink and a fan yes um, how much does a controller weigh like, you know, more than a tablet I don't think they gave us an actual number but it wasn't that bad didn't someone say it was a 70 watt hour battery in it? 38. Oh, yeah, 38 watt hour. 70 would be even. Well, that's why I, I thought it was a, a. But that's still, that's really large. That's huge. It's insane. It is the largest battery that has ever shipped in a Tegra device, I believe, right? Like it's. Uh -huh. I don't think any Tegra tablet ever came that close. Um, and it's it's just in something that fits in the palm of your hand. And surprisingly enough, it's not that heavy. I mean, the bulk of yeah. it is plastic, you know, and the display isn't really that heavy either because it's, it's, it's only a five inch display. Um, and yeah, and to their credit, it is true that it because it's not huge, it doesn't torque you really well. Yeah, all know? all the weight is kind of in your palms. Yeah, um, and not like at the top. Or, it, it's it's surprisingly comfortable. I I wouldn't say it's like the most light and effortless thing in the world, mm -hmm. but 
I didn't find the ergonomics, at least for our, let's say, 30-minute play session. Yeah. I, I didn't find that to be an issue. Uh, play session. Play <laughs> slash work session. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, so the device runs Android. Uh, what was it running? Was it running for... We, I, I can't remember, but I, I mean, it's 4.x. Yeah. We took a picture of it. I, yeah, it's it's posted. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say 4.2 because I don't think it was. I agree. I think it was 4.1 point something. Yeah. Um, so it runs Android. Um, it plays all the Tiger Zone games. Right now, it's set up to play the Tiger Zone games with controller support because it is a controller. Yeah. Um, and it plays those well. Like it, Android felt it really fast on it. Yeah. Um, and what else? So it, it played all those games well. Android was smooth. You can browse the web on it. Although there's obviously yeah. no hardware, key, or like no keyboard, yeah. no easily accessible. You have to keyboard. kind of tap on it while you're holding a controller. Yeah. Um, and and so the other interesting thing is, even though it had Chrome on it, all of NVIDIA's performance optimizations went into browser.apk. Yeah, because they can't touch Chrome. Yeah. So the the Chrome browsing experience was pretty fast, but browser.apk was like I felt it to be yeah. To their credit, faster. it was very smooth using that device. Yeah. Um, so they they have that, and and the other big feature is you can also use it as a controller for PC. Right. Yeah, and play PC games that get streamed over Miracast. Yeah, or other to the display on the device. Mm-hmm. And then you can also use it as a controller to control games streamed from your PC to your TV. Yeah, right. Um, so, so that part was pretty neat. Um, I don't know. What did you think about the device? I think it was better than I expected. Yes. I don't know. I just I just came in expecting it to be not something that was <laughs> just like, like total garbage. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just like it seemed kind of gimmicky at first, but now it's under the context of basically like a development platform for Tegra 4. Yes. That also is a controller, that also is a gaming device, Mm -hmm. that also, you know, is part of this big picture kind of thing where there's cloud gaming. Yeah. And I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of the, the cloud gaming aspect, just because I believe that's unproven. Yeah. Still. But as an, as an, if you want, to play Android games and you have something in mind that does use a controller, I mean, that's that's phenomenal. It's also kind of neat, I, and I don't know how many people want to do this, but if you want to play your PC games... Right, on, on your way. Yeah, like on a couch, you know, it does work. I, like I said, I've said it a million times, I think the display needs to be bigger and higher res. Yes, I agree with that, and, because some things are difficult to see on it. Right, and especially the PC assets that are just small. Yeah. Just get it to work with Oculus. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, that's true. Well, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Uh, well, I bet he is working with the Oculus guys. Um, no, I don't know. It, it was kind of neat. Um, I, so, Nvidia, when we when we finished meeting with them, they were like, "Okay, so, what would you think about this? You know, how, yeah. what were your feelings?" And my response was kind of this: I, I don't have a place for it in my life. Like, I don't. No. I don't not, need not quite this. Yet. Yeah, and and I upon seeing it. I didn't immediately want it. Um, now, admittedly, part of that depends on the price, right? Mm-hmm. They price it low yeah. enough, and I'll yeah, sure, I'll take it. It's Tiger Four, um, but but <laughs> I, I don't immediately want it, um, and and I, I don't see a, a purpose for it in my life. But to Nvidia's credit, I I really want, I really believe in the idea of an open console, right? Yeah, uh, I, I I think this this whole. Um, you know, we take a loss on hardware and make it up in software. Like, I think that's broken, and we no longer need it. Mm-hmm. PCs are cheap enough. They're good enough. Um, One of these Android things are, too. Yeah. It's, it's 
that 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 old console model, I, I think it just leads to bad decisions on the hardware part, right? Like we get Red <laughs> Ring of Death from that. We get uh, just you know compromised hardware, and mm-hmm. in, in many cases compromised CPU performance. Um, not as much GPU performance as we should have. So, so I was thinking worse terrible decisions. Like you just wake up with no pants in the middle of the street. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Okay. By the way, you have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's that's where this leads us. You know, and and so I do believe in the open console model, and and I do want to reward and, and give Nvidia thanks for just trying something different, right? Trying. Yeah, something... this is really radical. Yeah. Um, so even though it doesn't fit in my life, I my feedback to Nvidia was just, I like where your head is, and just keep doing this, like keep iterating, like do do something. I mean, don't don't be discouraged, right? Because I yeah, I didn't, well, and again, it's it, just like the Oculus; it's not finished. There's you know multiple revs coming. Yes, I, yeah. They I mean, said, I got that impression that like those two are kind of very similar. They're very tentative. Yeah. Exploratory, new, weird things. Yes. You know, and you can't just quite judge them immediately. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm 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 interested to see where it goes. Um, and Nvidia says they've got like this is this is something they're committed to. They're going to make the devices. There'll be a roadmap. Um, did they say when it was coming out? Um, I don't know. It's if it, if it if they did, it's in the article. But I can't remember. Yeah, I can't. It's... And all that stuff. Honestly, all that stuff always changes. Yeah. You know, or it's it's always subject to change. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, also, I Sarah five hundred. Yes. Okay, so but we that, can leave that for later. We can. Um, so in in short, so Tiger Four is uh you know we, we discuss what Tiger Four is. It'll likely appear in Project Shield or in a tablet first. Yes. Um, but Nvidia says that you know they insist that it will be in a phone. Yes. Um, and they're they're insistent that there are ways of getting it to run cool enough to still get into a phone. Um, on the phone side, they will have their first LTE baseband. Um, that that can optionally work with Tiger Four. Um, right. it's, it's an off-chip solution, mm-hmm. um, which is not too unusual, but we're just kind of spoiled by Qualcomm at this point, I guess. Um, and it's using their ICERA acquisition, uh, right. the, that team, to, to kind of build this, and it's the i500. Yep, uh, and it's Category 4, and it's, it's, it uses a software-defined radio architecture. Mm-hmm. And which they, you're always saying that a lot of like other people use that as well. It's very buzzwordy. Yeah, you kind of hear that, and you have to kind of ask what is because nothing is pure SDR. Yeah, nothing is pure. You know, burned out to ASIC. You know, like sort of hard radio. Yeah. So to me, that's just kind of it's very buzzwordy. I would love to know like what parts of everything are HDR and what parts are SDR. Yeah. You know, like even obviously Qualcomm is not all SDR. You know, like they're partly SDR. Yeah. You know, this is fairly common well it's it's a lot like the early days of the gpu right where it was fully programmable versus fixed function exactly it's same thing here and there are trade-offs involved with both Mm -hmm. so they've kind of sold they i mean they've done an excellent job marketing that this is something very revolutionary yeah and i think it's cool well and i guess the difference between the gpu and and having a software defined radio is you only have to worry about one developer with a software defined radio Mm -hmm. right like nvidia just has to develop the stack properly and then right. who cares? Yeah. Well, the nice thing is you can push upgrades to it and updates and fix problems and even give better performance later on. Yeah, because you were I think you were saying that it would launch at UE Category 3 and then they would later update to 4. Yeah, yeah. And nice. some of the older ICERA products did stuff like that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, pre-acquisition, I believe. 
So that's not altogether uncommon. In fact, even even Intel did that with one of their devices, like the Optimus 3D. Oh yeah. That one went from one HSPA plus category, one HSDPA category, to mm-hmm. another one. Oh, interesting. Like they enabled 64 qualm. It went from 14.4 to 21. Interesting. So sometimes that happens. Well, I hope, like, you know, you kind of wrote about this when you did the Qualcomm modems piece that, like, we're pushing for more information disclosure from these guys. Yeah. And, like, this is the exact type of thing that we're talking about. Um, And then we, you know, you don't get to see it on the site, but a lot of what we do at these shows isn't just report on this stuff, but we're also working behind the scenes to kind of get these disclosures made. Yeah. Right? So if you look at the level of detail, like, take Qualcomm, for example, three years ago was when we first had our meetings asking for more detail on crate crate architecture and and kind of what's coming not just crate at the time it was scorpion but um it it took us three years to get to where we are today and being able to kind of know as much as we do and it's still not all that much yes but this is kind of what happens at a lot of these shows for us it's it's just doing a lot of the heavy lifting behind the scenes to be able to kind of uh report in in the manner that we do um that combined with just running around the show floor a lot and taking pictures. Non-stop, and... <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, all right, so we covered Tiger 4, and uh, with that, we're going to call it a night. Um, so thank you all for listening, and uh, we will be back hopefully in a couple days here, um, and then we'll, we'll do another podcast from our normal locations. Uh, be sure to check out all the coverage on the site. Um, thank you for reading, and thank you for listening. <laughs>